everybody. It's Tracy here with the Lincoln Law Pod, the podcast from so many shows that's dedicated to the Lincoln Lawyer on Netflix. And tonight we're going to be discussing episode eight, The Magic Bullet Redux. But I'm not here by myself. I've got Pete P.I. here with me again. What's up, Pete? What's up, Tracy? How are you? I'm good. And we also have another friend, Mike Martini, is back helping us out with the podcast. And you may know him from the Facebook group, the Lincoln Lawyer Lounge, uh, which is a popular place to go and talk about the Lincoln Lawyer. And also on Twitter at Holler Law Trivia, where you'll be seeing more of the Lincoln Lawyer themed trivia. So watch for that too. Thank you for helping, Mike. Thanks for the invitation. <laughs> so I would, I would like to report an issue, Tracy. Oh, we got an issue from the very beginning. Um, okay. You're doing business with Mike, and I don't see no retainer in the books. What's going on here? <laughs> I know. There's no, there's no money. Maybe it was a there's cash no payment. Yeah. What's going on here? Cash payment. Exactly. <laughs> Good one. Good one. All right. Well, before we get into the episode, I um, just want to remind you that at the end of the episode, we have some more Q&A with Ted Humphrey, the showrunner of The Lincoln Lawyer. And we also have an interview with Pooja Mohindra, who plays Sonia Patel in this season of The Lincoln Lawyer. This character has a very interesting and important scene in this particular episode that Sonia Patel is the friend of Laura Elliott that invited her to lunch and it never quite happened. And we get to hear from her. So make sure you read the post that goes along with the podcast, because that's where I'll have an opportunity to tell you even more about some of the things that Pooja Mahindra is working on, um, because we didn't get to cover all of it in our actual discussion. So you don't want to miss that. Then coming up, we have two more episodes after this one, of course, nine and 10, where we will continue to have some Q&A with Ted, but also joining Ted in these next two episodes for the Q&A is Manuel Garcia Rufo, who gives us Mickey Holler, the Lincoln lawyer. So you have that to look forward to. That's coming up for episodes nine and 10 on the podcast. So excited about sharing that with you all. Anything from you guys before we jump in? What's your general thoughts about the episode? I I, I love this one. It's it's one of my favorites. I'll jump in first. Um, I just want to say that after watching enough of these episodes, because now there's only a couple left, my favorite part in the whole show is when they're driving in the car and they're talking about like things that happen with cases Mm -hmm. and what his father taught him and the light gets yellow or Mm -hmm. gold, like the Mm -hmm. sun. And you just know that it's not, it's like a flashback or forward or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. It just, for some reason, when when he gets in the car and they show that kind of light background, mm-hmm. it always gets me to, to like, you know, you, there's just certain parts in shows where you full-blown focus, listening to everything they have to say, because you know it's relevant, important. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that is what this show brings when they have him in the car, talking to the driver with the light, and it's not them going any specific, the road is like, it's an open road. Yeah, yeah, they we going? Don't, yeah, when we don't this, really have all the happen? details. We don't have the details around the drive that they're on. But you know, you're right. When you see that sort of yellowish filter and he's talking to Izzy, you know it's important. You know, yes. you better pay attention. There's going to be more to this. So yeah, it's, it's always a, it's a, a good, good lesson. It's always yeah. a good lesson. Every episode, there's mm-hmm. one good lesson in each, I feel. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's a good flow. I like it. It's a really, really good cue. I like, I like the way they have that set up. What about you, Mike? Just general thoughts on the episode. Is this an exciting one for you? Or absolutely, because mm-hmm. uh, a lot of things going on, but it's also a quick moving episode as well. But uh, it's also got two of my favorite camera shots 
in this episode. Two of my top three favorite ones. The first, my first, well, one of the first favorite ones was in the pilot episode or the first episode where the camera just kind of pans over the car as it's driving down the road. Mm-hmm, so when mm-hmm. we get to the two camera shots that I love in this uh, episode, I'll point those out. When okay. We get to them. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. We'll be waiting to hear about those. Can I ask and- a question? Sure. Mike, is one of you- those scenes when they drive in the car and it says, I walk them? No. Okay. Because <laughs> I saw that. I was like, oh, that's a pretty good visual. Like, how do you how do you forget that? Like, and it's not a trivia question because I just said it. But <laughs> I just thought it was cool to have a, a license plate like that. I want to make my own license plate like, you know, I don't know what it would say, but it would be cool. PPI. <laughs> Yeah, there you go. You'd like to make your own license plate, but you don't want to be making license plates, if you know what I mean. <laughs> yes, exactly. Oh, I need Mickey Hollow more yeah. than I have a new. <laughs> yeah, just sort of clarify. So, all right. Well, um, at the end, we've got a game. Of course, we're going to pit Mike and Pete against one another again. Pete, just for the record, came out victorious last time when they were up somehow. Against. Well, the episode um, opens up. And when Mickey has another exchange with Cherry, she comes to the diner where he's having breakfast and she's not really happy about it. She's not a morning person with her given profession. No, you know what? Can I just, yes. before we even start with the seriousness, I got to bring up a funny mm-hmm. point. Okay. Um, she walked in, took his breakfast, <laughs> yeah. took out some sort of sauce, doused it all <laughs> over the food and then said, hey, I got to get some sleep. I'll see you later and gave him back the food. <laughs> What was that, people? Come on, at least eat the food before you go. <laughs> that that was a power move. I think that yes. was a power move. She's a good negotiator. We'll see that in in this uh, in this scene as well. But that is really funny. Yeah, she changed up his food and then didn't even eat. It. <laughs> then left. <laughs> power move. Power move. And um, Mike, you had asked Ted, I think, on Twitter, the name of that diner. What, what was yep. that? Yeah, it's called Pan's Restaurant, located off of La Siena Boulevard in Ladera Heights. Okay, well, thanks for that that info there. So, you know, he's trying to track down Glory Days, and he's asking Cherry to help him with that. So he wants an update, and she has found out where she's working. She's working in Las Vegas. She's doing, like, these, what do they call them? Girlfriend experience. Yeah, okay, there you go, yeah. There you go, thank you. But she's doing that in Las Vegas. She doesn't know exactly where to find her specifically, but she does know that she comes back to LA every once in a while for a particular client. And Mickey's like, okay, yes. And she's waiting for the money. He hands Mm -hmm. over some money. She's waiting again, right? She wants some more. And I I just love the look on his face when he just resigns himself to the fact he's going to have to give her more money. It's just, it's pretty priceless. Yeah, he kind of holds up the bill like, okay, is this enough? Yeah, are we done? Yeah. Yeah, He should not be complaining. Because this guy spends a ton of money. You've seen his cars, and uh-huh. you've seen the, the, the dinners he eats, the steaks. Yeah. And he's, he's, he's sitting there, you know, pouting <laughs> over 100 bucks to get some information that's going to help him. Come on. It's a, yeah. <laughs> it's at least 100 I don't know how much he put on the table before. but I got to say 20 or 50 is my guess. So she gives up the information after the, the second payment. She writes, in lipstick on a napkin, Raj at Echo on Beverly. So that's the client that... Glory days will come in town for um, on occasion if called upon. So somebody has to go see Raj at Echo on Beverly, and that would be Cisco. Who wants to talk about that? I mean, this guy, you know, he goes in, he's like, you know, he's, he mentioned something to him. He would really have his feet up on the on the thing. 
he wasn't supposed yeah. to have his feet up on. So he's like, excuse yeah. me, sir, you got to move your feet. And he's like, okay, well, I'll just call so-and-so. And, oh, no, I don't know who you're talking about. And he's like, oh, well, then I'll just call your wife. Maybe she knows who I'm talking about. He walks out of the thing, out of the, um, wherever he was in the, the business that the guy, I think he owns or works at, Raj. Mm-hmm. And yeah. he's just like, looks at his watch. And I'm thinking to myself, like, he's not walking very far. You know he's not walking very far. The guy comes out. He says, you know, what, what do you got to do? What do you want? You know, he thinks he it's money. Him. He thinks it's about money. Yeah. Well, he thinks it's extortion. What else would it be? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I got to tell you, when Cisco comes up to me, I'm like, wow, this guy definitely wants some money. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I don't think he wants anything else but money. That's what it looks like to me. Somebody who needs to buy new clothes. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> no offense, Cisco. You're my favorite, but. Yep. So, yeah, he gets the job done. So he, he does a good job there. All right. Another thing we see, since we're talking about Cisco, we don't you know, get a lot of information, but we've got this running concern of his about Mickey helping work or working for representing the motorcycle club, the road saints. And I was hoping that would have been like established by now. And we would have had a couple episodes of it being the full Mm storyline, but I don't, I haven't had enough Cisco in the last two or three episodes personally. So the writers season two, more Cisco, more More Cisco, Cisco, more Cisco, more Cisco. But yeah, this hard case Casey, or I guess his actual name is Harold Casey, I think. Cisco's checking out the books at the office and doesn't see that any money has been paid from this client who is part of the motorcycle club. And uh, asks Lorna about it. And she's like, I don't know, maybe it was a cash payment and it hasn't shown up yet or whatever. But he's he's concerned. So we've still well, Mickey got- also walks in like extremely aggravated at the same scene at the same moment. Okay. So she was like, listen, man, just. Let's bring it up to him after the case. Like yeah, he, yeah. he doesn't they don't, want it. You know? Right. They don't spend. A and lot she of time would on. know his moods because yeah. who knows anybody better than their moods than right. their ex-wives. <laughs> yep. So it just gets kind of brushed off for now. But but we know he is curious about that and seems skeptical. There'll be a conversation about this later, I assume. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Got to come up again. All right. Well, let's touch a little bit on what's going on with Maggie and Lankford in their case. They're down to like a week to identify, to find who the shooter was or to prove that Angelo Soto was behind the the death of the star witness in this whole case, David Loresca. And so last episode, we learned from a couple of detectives, I think at Hollywood, that Alvin Aquino is a guy that they suggest that they look at. So Detective Lankford gets kind of squirrely, I would say. I mean, I don't know what all the, the rules are, but they do, a, I guess, like a traffic stop and claim that they can look at his vehicle, right? Yep. And so as as part of that, you know, he, he resists, but an officer says, if you just cooperate, we'll, it, it well, won't be parole. Yeah, he's on parole. So they justify yeah. it, you know, that way. He downloads the data from the cell phone. But yeah, I just couldn't remember how she got it in her hand to begin with. But I think. No, she took it out of his pocket. Okay. But well, I mean, one officer, one officer took it out of his pocket, put it on the passenger seat or tossed it in the. Oh, yeah, tossed it in the car the other yeah. side. Yeah. And, and then, then she the walked over and around the other side on the passenger side and took it out of the seat and brought it to Langford. Right, right. So yeah, he gets the information downloaded, and it turns out that he his cell phone was in proximity of the shooting of David Loresca. So you know they think they're onto something here. It's looking promising that you know they'll be able to nail Soto on this. But there's an interesting conversation with Maggie and Lankford. She's like you know asking him the reason for the traffic stop, and at that point he just says like oh it's like a busted headlight or something. And you can tell the wheels are turning. And, and she said, you know, she talks about cops she had known before that had done this type of thing underhandedly. And he's like, well, why, you know, why do you ask? And 
she said, I just want to make sure it's all, you know, I think she uses the term airtight or something. So it's, it's interesting to me that she's a little skeptical of him, which I'm kind of glad because, you know, I don't have a great feeling about him and, you know, she hasn't seen all of this with him. So it's kind of like, she's, I don't know. I wouldn't want her to be super naive about him. I'm glad she's kind of questioning him a little bit. Did you have any thoughts on that conversation, Mike? Yeah. Cause, um, well, it's like what you said, you know, that he was being squirrely. So she wants everything airtight. She doesn't want An- Angela Soto to, to skate on a technicality type of a thing. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, so I was kind of leery of Lang- Langford's uh, way of handling that situation. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. at least he's moving the wheels in the right direction, you know, trying to get Maggie to get the, you know, try to get the case to keep keep going so that they, you know, they don't, uh, yeah, so they don't run out of the one week uh, time frame they're on. Right, now. right. Yeah, they're definitely under under the time crunch. So yeah, it was. I, I thought that was interesting. Do you have any thoughts on that conversation, Pete? That she was kind of. Um, I'm not a big suspect. fan of this. Like, so listen, this is what happened to me. Mm-hmm. They gave me the trial, and to me, that's the main focus of the episode. So this Soto thing was one of those things where you know I, I know what's going on. I paid attention enough to know the story, but there wasn't nothing where I was just like, "Come on, let's get back to the trial. I want to see what's <laughs> going on. This guy's, you know, let's 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 see what's going to happen. Yeah. Things, you know, like." It was really, like I said, it was it was a trial-driven episode, so I don't yeah. really have anything yeah. to add except mm-hmm. for I didn't like what they did to, to the guy to get their information, and mm-hmm. I don't like the way they've been strong on in this whole situation. It just annoys me, the, rubs me the wrong way. Yeah, yeah, me too. The way too. they've and- been pushing everybody, and I feel like it's someone's going to get hurt here at the end of the day. I feel like this is going to end wrong because what she tell her, oh, that careers are started after you get elected. So you got to play the game. Like, come on. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I think the main takeaways are that, okay, they did get the cell phone data. However, they, you know, legal it was, and it was in proximity. So it looks like they're making some gains and which is especially helpful in a time crunch. That's what we take away from it. And then I just think on top of that, it was interesting that she's a little suspicious of his, of his message. Method, which I think is important because she's a smart lady. I'm like, come on, don't just take everything at face exactly. value. All right, well, let's get into the trial. Pete wants to talk about the trial, for sure. So we talked about Pooja Mahindra, who plays Sonia Patel, and we see her character, Sonia Patel, first up in the trial in this episode, and she's there on behalf of the prosecution. So she's painting this picture sort of ne- negatively, I guess, you know, against Trevor Elliott. She's she, she's obviously because she's on the prosecution's, she's their witness. But she talks about how he became more controlling. She started to feel like a third wheel. And he, that she felt like Trevor kind of shut out Laura's friends and kind of just that whole idea of trapping Laura or just basically she's painting Trevor Elliott as a controlling type figure, you know, not in, in a good light. So then Mickey comes around and it's his turn to cross-examine or redirect, whichever term you call it. And he starts kind of pointing the finger at her saying, well, you must have kind of a grudge because they never hired you at his company. You know, you called him, you emailed him multiple times. Weren't you vying for a job? And, you know, she tries to, she ju- you know, tries to justify it saying, well, that's, you know, working. you know what, what, they, what they say, she needs to be a fact witness fact factual witness yeah, yeah for relevance <laughs> you know they're, they're just talking about all oh, the relationship they had and come on but the main it's thing is though it made it made Gallants look like a doofus for putting her up right. on the on the on the stand so i actually right. enjoyed that you know yeah 
I kind of like Trevor Elliott right now. Okay. I don't know if he's really the bad guy or not at the end of this, but I kind of like him right now. He's kind of growing on me. So, okay. you know, uh-huh. she, she shouldn't be sitting there digging at him. <laughs> well, I, again, the, I think the takeaway here is that she comes on for the prosecution, tries to paint him in a negative light, controlling that type of thing, you know, with his relationship with Laura and Mickey basically flips the script. It's his turn. And he points the finger at her saying that, you know, she, maybe this isn't so factual or this is her opinion because she would want to, jo- she wanted a job from him and that was her, her goal. And so maybe she's just being, you know, vengeful about all this. So he, you know, basically he plants the seeds of doubt that he wants to with the jury. So I would say this one is a victory for Mickey. Wouldn't you say, would you agree? Absolutely. I even put that down that it hurt, it hurt more than it actually helped him on this. Yeah. With this yeah. All right. Then things shift a little bit because Mickey's ready for another win. He's got this data about the gunshot residue in a, a, another case that the the witness worked on where it was just completely botched. And so he thinks he got this information from Tony Walsh, the other defense attorney. So Mickey <laughs> thinks he's queued up for another win in this day of the trial. This guy, last name Loomis, he's the, the tech that worked on the gunshot residue analysis in the Trevor Elliott case. And he's talking about how much there was. It's just overwhelming. You can't, you can't deny it kind of thing. And that's when Mickey brings up the case where it was botched. And so he thinks, oh, another victory for us. You can't have faith in this guy. But wait a minute. He's like, yes, that was really embarrassing. And that's why my boss has to sign off on all my analyses now. And, yeah, and I don't like that guy either. That guy was like a big <laughs> geek. He's like, this is professional humiliation. My, You know what, buddy? In the real world, everybody's boss double checks their workers' stuff because if it doesn't, <laughs> the boss gets in trouble for it, okay? That's just the way it goes. There's no professional humiliation. It's called getting double fact-checking, double-checking. Double-checking. Well, this definitely packed Mickey off guard. And he's like, what? How, where does it say that? And then, Mike, why don't you talk about this note in the margin of the report? Yeah, the photocopy that he got uh, cut it off at the towards the bottom where the prosecutor had a copy with the full initials on the bottom of the page. So, right. and then Mickey Haller's like, well, wait a minute, the jury's already, you know, he started trying to say that the jury's already heard this. And the judge is like, hey, I offered you a continuance. You declined. Your client declined. Yeah. So, you know, you got to roll with the punches type of thing. And right. You know, so that's basically what is it? Uh, getting caught, not really getting caught with your pants down, but kind of, in a way. <laughs> not being prepared, not being prepared, fully mm-hmm. prepared, you know, the doing your homework. The judge thing. really, the judge really won my favor this episode. I felt yeah. like the judge did a good job, had some good lines, kept, kept it real, did a great job of acting, um, was cast very well. So, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, no. ma- this yeah, judge was all right. They're definitely building out his character and his personality. It's fun. Yeah. So yeah, Mickey's copy with Dr. Tan's initials are, are cut off. You just see like the top of the T. You wouldn't even notice it. And of course, Golance just says, oh, I guess just a copy error. So I'm going to ask you guys, what do you think? Did, did he purposefully give him a copy that didn't have all the information? Could he have possibly anticipated that that would be an issue? Or is it just a just a mistake just a copy right so yeah, i, I so, believe i believe it was an error in the photocopy don't we all have issues like that every now yeah, and then technology I mean, yeah. just kind of hurts us in the long right, run right <laughs> right technology is convenient until it you know leaves something or actually what that was, I, I, I believe that he or what is it galanza saying that he had no idea about the issue that this tech had 
So, mm -hmm. so I kind of see Gallant being, you know, truthful in this one situation. This one? Okay. Least. So that day ended on a down note for for Mickey and Trevor's not happy. Like, how did you not know that? Uh, Mickey's going back to the office, not not feeling great. He's feeling discouraged. You know, where's this magic bullet? When is it ever going to surface? Talks about how Jerry found it. He should be able to find it. And he's just, he's really, uh, really discouraged when he goes back to the office and Lorna tries to kind of give him a pep talk. You know, she's like, hey, but you know, look at what you did with Wims. You got his, his sentence reduced so much. You're good. You know, you, you can make things happen. You know, she's trying to encourage him, but he's discouraged because not only did this happen today, but she gives him a salad. He doesn't even want to eat <laughs> for dinner before she leaves for the night. And he's looking through the, the evidence, the file, just trying to figure out how can I move this thing forward after this faux pas today kind of made him look foolish. And he dumps the salad, heads out into the night, into the convertible. And, you know, we know he said multiple times that's when he does his best thinking when he's driving. So he drives out and he heads out to that casino. Who wants to talk about that? I actually put down the phrase, you know, talk about being at the right place at the right time because Heller goes out. I don't, I don't know what he's eating, tacos or something like that, but... It's like, it's in aluminum it was something in aluminum yeah. foil that was greasy yeah. and fried. Yeah. Have, yeah, like a food truck. It must have been a food truck item. Must have been because, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm surprised he didn't get pulled over for distracting driving or eating mm -hmm. while driving because mm -hmm. it's like, holy cow, you know, he's got like one hand on the wheel and he's like taking a bite with no hands on the wheel. But he goes to the, uh, what is it called? Athena's Temple, Temple Casino? Yeah. Something like that. Anyways, uh, and then he... You know, turns around, he's looking at uh, a few squad cars coming in or coming by the street there. Like on a and trailer. One's on a flatbed. Yeah. One's on a flatbed. One's painted with uh, F the police on the side, just the mm -hmm. full word. <laughs> and uh, so he kind of like thinks about it. It's like, well, where are they going? So he follows them. Turns out they're going to a uh, garage, a, a maintenance shop for L.A. County police cars. Mm -hmm. And then it just kind of hits right there. You know, when he sees the maintenance guys or the mechanics in the overalls, he saw the video mm -hmm. with the guy that looks like he was, or the guy that gave paperwork to, yeah, gave the paperwork to Jerry Vincent. So he's like, he, he just everything kind of fit into piece or no, most of the, most of it fit into piece right there. He knows that he, he's, he's, he's discovering the connection that that guy is from that maintenance facility. Yes. So that, you know, that gets, the, the wheels, uh, that gets the wheels turning like, okay, that's where yep. this guy's from. And if he's from a maintenance facility and he works on police cars and it just gets the wheels turning and, you know, and he goes back to the office and does whatever comes together review. at the end that we get discovered is mm -hmm. it's, you know, I want to curse and say effing genius because <laughs> I'm sitting there watching and I'm like everybody else. I'm like, well, you know, what is this scene? What's the relevance here? I didn't pick it up right away. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, I'm sitting there like this guy's an idiot. He's just driving, eating food, following, <laughs> going to casinos, following cop cars. Like, what are you doing? What, what's this scene? Right. What's going to yeah. happen? Are you going to uh, people, the people that are, I, I honestly personally thought that the people that were following him, the Russians were going to try to make a move here. Oh, okay. that's what I was waiting for. He's in the road. He's alone. Maybe they hit his car, they put him in the hospital, bang him up, teach him a lesson, threaten him something. Or you get the biker guys. I didn't expect it just to be like, oh, I'm just going to follow these cops and then go back to the office. like And figure and it then, out. Yeah. And then, but you know that, you know that he's figured something out. You just don't know what. And like, right. I'm sitting there like, what's going on now? Now I'm glued. Yeah. And that, because that now kind of, I have to know. That exemplifies the, the experience that you know can be different from someone who's read the books versus yes. someone who has it, because you probably got to enjoy that moment that we're going to talk about in a couple of minutes 
even more because you were not prepared for it. You didn't, still didn't know like, well, what's the connection here? What, what's, what's he just, and so Mike and I knew probably what we thought was the connection, but you never know too. They could have changed it up. They could have still yeah, been exactly. something different. So that's what's so fun about or, or when you see a book get put into a movie or a TV, you want to see how they portray it because you always, when you read a book, you put an image in your head of what you think it's going to be. You make yeah, your own you vision. Yeah, so you, you want to compare it. the visions. Mm-hmm. 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 And they do, they have changed up elements in the story already. So you just never know for sure. And that's, that makes it really fun. So it's like, you kind of want to be in the know, but you don't totally want to be in the know about what's going to happen. So, um, so yeah, he starts putting the pieces together he gets back to the office. He's worked all night and he calls in Lorna and Cisco and tells them that he needs help from them. He needs them to, to bring some people in. He needs the ballistics expert, Dr. Oslanian. And so he wants Lorna to, to get her in. And then he needs Cisco to track down the guy uh, in the video, the, 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 the specific coveralls. guy in the video. Yeah, in the coveralls. Uh, giving papers to to Jerry Vincent. So, if we can go back a few seconds, though, it yeah. was uh, that's one of my favorite one of my favorite camera shots. Okay, when, yeah, yeah. When he was talking about th- that, he had a client who was a burglar who would yeah. break into safes, Safe. and it wasn't mm-hmm. what was in the safe. It was that getting that last combination down. Mm-hmm. And he goes, "I never, I never broke into a safe, but I know that feeling at that moment." And right. you see the kind of camera kind of panning in, but also the background coming in closer type of a Yeah, look. it is cool. Yeah. I have no idea how they do that camera shot. I mean, obviously they got their tricks and, you know, it's Hollywood. I've seen the shots in plenty of mm-hmm. films and shows, but mm-hmm. it's yeah, one of my it, favorite camera scenes is when they do that. But uh, really what good. I was thinking about when he was talking or when Heller was mentioning the, the safe cracker, I was wondering if that was another Michael Conley character, uh, Cassie Black from Void Moon. Because oh. she was a safe cracker. I don't know if you ever read those oh. books or that book. I have book. not read that one. Mm-mm. Okay, so okay, she's also mentioned in another book further on in the Narrows. Oh, okay. she's uh, Harry Bosch's uh, when he's renting an apartment in Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. Cassie Black is the neighbor, and they kind of talk every now and then, like pleasantries oh. on the balcony type of thing. Yeah, but apparently she was she rented that apartment to keep an eye on the expensive jets coming in, so she could target her next score yeah 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 so but yeah so i was curious if that was a a cassie black reference yeah that could have been a nod nod to that character that'd be interesting yeah okay that's cool thanks for telling us that yeah i had not read that one so i wouldn't have made that that connection but yeah it is a really cool shot and a really cool scene as it builds i think the the soundtrack behind it and everything and the camera Mm -hmm. angles and it's just he's spinning a little bit or, or the is he's no he's not is he's he's looking around and you just kind of feel you know as yep, he's, outside he's the looking casino, around and you just kind of feel that movement like it's circling and coming together yeah it's that's pretty cool so he's got this figured out and then he's going to lay it out for the jury the next day and for the audience you know especially for those who don't have maybe any idea what's coming me so, <laughs> <laughs> then he lays it out for pete so so we see a, a, a series of uh, witnesses come in the next day. We have uh, Muniz, who was the videographer who was at the Topanga Park site where Wims was firing off all the ammo and where he was arrested and put into a handcuffed and put into a car. And then, you know, within hours, the next you know, morning, he also does videography at the, the Trevor Elliott's beach house for that arrest and for that crime scene. 
So we hear from him and that just brings us back to the video, seeing the two different crime scenes. The same guy saw both, but he didn't see the same officer, same deputies there. Okay. So, okay, well, are they connected? So then he brings Byrne in, Dennis Byrne, and he's the guy that we saw in the coveralls that works for the, let's see, Sheriff's Department Vehicle Maintenance Facility. <laughs> That's a mouthful. <laughs> he explains what happened, uh, what he had been working on that night was the car, the, the deputy's car that was used, that Wims was put into. And there was a busted spotlight, I think he said. So they do, they repair the cars and clean the cars. But if there's a repair then they can't get it back into rotation uh, fast enough. They, they don't always have time to clean it. So they, repairs take priority and then cleaning. Um, ideally, they would do both, but the repair is going to come first. And he said, this time we didn't even get to the cleaning. We had to repair that spotlight and get it back out into rotation for the next deputies on shift. So that's what we yeah, learned. Yeah, within an hour, I think he said, they had to have it back yeah. out in an hour. Yeah, it's, it's big, like, that's, a, quick, a, that's yeah. a really quick turnaround. It is, yeah. <laughs> And then we see Arslanian come up and, you know, she's likable. And, and I think Mickey draws that out of her with some of his questions to introduce her and her expertise. And she talks about how that much gunshot residue that was found on Trevor Elliott just couldn't be from firing a gun a couple of times, that it would have to be like transference. We're like, hmm, okay, maybe you did get it from someone else. What's happening? And then Mickey shows the video and has her point out that the car is the same car. I think it's 112 is the vehicle number. And that was the same car that Wims was put into. And obviously he had tons of gunshot residue on his hands because he had just fired an incredible amount of ammunition. And then we know from Dennis Byrne that that car was not cleaned, was used again at the crime scene where Trevor Elliott was put into the back of that car. So that could, could surely, you know, easily explain the, the amount of gunshot residue that Trevor Elliott had on his hands. So feeling the big win there, but that's not, that's not it. Then Mickey brings up, brings in Anton Shavar as a witness and grills him because, and explains that Jan Reels, the yoga instructor who was also murdered alongside Laura Elliott, that Jan had filed a restraining order against Anton Shavar. And he brings out he, he talks to him about, yes, if he's what his job is, you know, he's a security guy, does he use weapons? And he, he tries to paint him as a, a violent kind of scary dude. But Shavar's like, no, you know, he just says strictly professional and no, I just do what I need to do. And so Mickey is trying to catch him in a lie on the stand. And that's when he pulls out the video that Cisco took of Shavar threatening Cisco. And he's able to, even though that's not in discovery, hasn't been shared with anyone else, because he's using it as impeachment evidence, then he can put that into the trial. And of course that shows him threatening Cisco. So it, that, you know, is, a, is another win, you would say for Mickey, because not only has he explained the gunshot residue, he's now in, I mean, not completely successfully pointed the finger at someone else, but he has, he's definitely put the, he made a villain, like he said, yeah, yeah, he made he a said, villain. whatever story you need a hero and a villain. So I have to yeah. portray somebody. Yeah. And, and like I said, personally, I haven't read the books mm -hmm. to me, even if Elliot was the, the murderer, he just broke the whole case open to me, I feel. And it's over. Mm -hmm. He won. Yeah. Well, and that's I, how I think. That's I think Mickey won. Feeling. Yeah, that's yeah, how they're all yeah, feeling. 
yeah, no matter what happens, he 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 was, you know, what do they say, innocent until proven guilty, guilty beyond yeah. the shadow of a doubt. Well, mm-hmm. I haven't seen proof. I mean, like I said, it could easily be this guy because we don't know. But yeah, well, I want to talk about a couple of things here because we are we're all feeling that sort of victory. And but then he gets in the elevator, Mickey gets in the elevator with this Anton Shavar. And it's an interesting exchange where Shavar points out, you just ruined some lives. You painted my employees badly. You know, you've really affected my reputation. And he does not have a high opinion of lawyers that can do something like this that can just really impact his life. And it's not necessarily true. I mean, yeah, he did threaten Cisco, but it doesn't mean he murdered those people. Yeah, listen, this guy got the short end of the stick across the board. Yeah. His wife yeah. cheated on him. He got divorced. So he, my- he, you know, his business cost him cost him lots of money with his business. He had to go to court. People think he's a murderer. Right. His past was brought up. There's a, it, it wasn't he was the what we call collateral damage. So my question for you both is, did that scene put a damper on Mickey's quote victory that day? Did it make you step back and think, oh man, this does kind of suck. No, I'll tell you just simply, it's business. That was business because okay. if Mickey doesn't do that and doesn't win the case, Mickey is not going to get paid to be a defense attorney for a lot of people mm-hmm. and it's going to cost him a lot of money. However, him putting you know, the guy into the guillotine, guillotine and basically throwing all his stuff out there saying, this is your killer. Mm-hmm. Um, cost this guy money. Mm-hmm. So it was basically either Mickey or him. And, you know, like I said, that's business. What about you, Mike? Fortunately. <laughs> Did it put a damper on things for you? Did it kind of uh, taint the feeling of victory at that point? I don't uh, think so. I, I don't <laughs> think it, well, because obviously it's like, you know, a win for Mickey is a win, you know, so take yeah. it when you can. But yeah, so I didn't really damper the, the feeling I had towards okay. the, the fence table. Yeah. I just when that when the elevator ride started, I'm like, boy, this is going to be one awkward elevator. Ride. Yeah, yeah. I thought for sure one of them would get out. Just so okay, you can take this one. I'll catch the next one. Type I'll, I'll thing, tell but... you what I did think though. <laughs> Being a guy who kind of has you know a knack for the street, you know, lingo and the and the street language and reading things the street sees. If this guy's such a be- first of all, we don't know if this guy is the killer or not because we haven't seen any evidence of who's the killer. They haven't shown us who the killer is or proven. Or giving us any info. So he still he could still be the killer. True. If not, he was an ex-killer hired in his past profession. His employees are all part of it. Like Mickey, be careful. Yeah. Because yeah. this guy can easily say, You ruined my life, you know, end of the season, you know, season one finale, pop. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that's it. I mean, we know we're getting a season two, but maybe it's all about Cisco. Woohoo. <laughs> I'm just saying. No, that's you a be good careful. point. You got to be That's- careful who uses collateral damage because when you mess with people's lives and their livelihood right. and their names, their reputations, not everybody accepts it and just walks away. And some people want vengeance and revenge. And right. so I felt like, if anything, Mickey better be careful the next couple of days when he's driving, because not only does he have the quote unquote Russians to worry about, you might have these guys now. Yeah, that's no, that's an interesting point, because, yeah, like we were talking about, that's an awkward elevator ride, but it could, you know, it could potentially be more than awkward yes. if you think about it that way. I guess for my answer, I'm just I'm so easily manipulated emotionally, I guess. So I was kind of like, oh, man, he won, you know, basically won. We're saying metaphorically, but oh, someone else got hurt by. So you, you felt know? bad for the ex-Massad agent. That's <laughs> OK. Got I'm it. telling you, I'm so easily manipulated emotionally. So they kind of it, it, it tainted it a little bit for me. But some people are going to feel that way and, you know, or have that reaction. And, and a lot of people aren't whatever. <laughs> 
he's winning at this point. So, and it did not taint it for Trevor Elliott because he's there having drinks for Mickey at his house. He's celebrating. He's so grateful for. Well, if you're Trevor Elliott, you just escaped um, right. jail for life, a murder charge. Right. You just beat a right. charge, supposedly. I mean, we didn't get officially yet, but to me, yeah, he's, it was he's... everyone, you know, I think can say it felt like a win. That was a victory. That was a big victory. And like they had it wrapped up. They felt like they had it wrapped up. And Trevor's feeling like they had it wrapped up. And that's what makes his next statement so frustrating. He tells mm-hmm. Mickey, he's, well, we're not done. I still want to get on the stand. And you're just like, yeah, you know, but it is crazy. It's just basically already won. And then he wants to, to get on the stand. And Mickey's just like, which like was the moment when I, which is the moment when I started to hate this guy instantly. Like, oh, yeah. what are you doing? What, what yeah. is the point of this? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I kind of get it now that I'm thinking about it. Because people are still sitting there saying, well, you're going to get off a murder and still be considered a murderer. Right. Like, yeah, there's a difference between for Mickey, it's winning the case for Trevor. It could just be getting away with murder. You know, you could you, know, you can paint it really differently. But yeah, mm-hmm. it's like even if he goes on the stand and, and you know, it's still not going to sway public opinion on him. Anybody right. who had or had him pegged as a murderer before just because he testified in his own trial and put on mm-hmm. a tear show. You know, he's still, well, that's what... people are still going to be saying he's a murderer. So listen, <laughs> let me let me just say this. This guy's on trial for murder, right? And it's all over the news. Yeah. All right. Everybody has already seen the headline. The one eighth or one fifth or one third of those people are going to see the actual testimony in court. Yeah. So all you can do is hurt yourself and end up rooting your thing and going to jail for murder just to get what? one third of your population. You know, like, come on. Here's it's over, buddy. Walk away and take the victories. Here's the thing. He's <laughs> trying to rebuild the system. The system is like you talked about before, you know, innocent until proven guilty beyond a reasonable doubt. You don't ever get a decision of innocence. You either guilty yes. or not guilty. Let me tell so, you how. how, how... Wait, wait, let me finish. Let me finish. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. So he's it's like he's vying for. The dis- a, a verdict of innocence and it just doesn't exist it doesn't happen and i think that's what he's trying to do or saying basically he's trying to do by getting on the stand he, he wants the court of public opinion he wants people to feel like he's innocent and he's never going to get that verdict no matter what and he's putting a lot at risk i think by saying he wants to go on the stand he can't he, he cannot accept not guilty he just can't i don't think he can accept it he wants innocence and it's never it's not how the system works go ahead this is the logic that i see with this you know when you're watching a movie and they'll and they're like oh my oh my god somebody's in the house or something's in the house or something's happening in this house right yeah Leave the house instantly. I'm sorry if I walked into my house and I saw the back of a guy with a knife and I didn't know. I'm going to turn around and, and probably leave leave for a while. I'm not going to walk back into it. It's just the logic of once you have a chance to get out, you get out. Yeah, get and out while you can. guy's not using Unless. the logic. Further in, <laughs> unless it's a, a, a plot line like Scream, spoiler alert, there's always two killers around. So <laughs> yeah. one might be inside where the other one's outside waiting for you to come back out. Yeah, you're screwed either way. <laughs> I'm just <True>. saying, <laughs> he can't. He can't take the win because he doesn't see that as a win. He doesn't it's like, oh, no, my house is haunted. I've seen this happen in my house. But then you go back the next day and you end up getting killed from the ghost. Yeah. What do you think was going to happen? What do you think was going to happen? So, yeah, Mickey's not happy. He just I think he's just like, what? You just can't believe it. But he gets a phone call. And this is where we start to wrap up the episode. He, he can't he can't deal with Trevor right now in his 
madness. He gets a call from Izzy and she's in a tough spot. She's over at the Staples Center. He's going to go rescue her. She has had an encounter. He doesn't, I don't think he knows right away if she has, she, he, she calls him, she needs him. He doesn't know what he's going to find exactly when he gets there. Has she used, has she done drugs with her ex or, or not, you know, he's headed that way, but he's got to find a way to get in backstage. And so that's where old pal Ter- Terrell Coleman. Well, she um, said her ex was in town because they went out yeah. to dinner. That's why yeah, she wasn't at the meeting. Yeah. yeah. yeah he, had so. asked, he had asked, yeah, why weren't you at the meeting earlier in the episode? And she said she'd had dinner. So, so he knows to keep his phone open for her. Yeah. Yeah. That this could be a, a tough time uh, that, you know, she's at risk of falling off the wagon. So he, he wants to go and, and help her. And, but he has to find a way to get in Staples Center and backstage and Terrell with his jerseys, sweet talks, the, the guy at security gives him a Kobe Bryant jersey and just lets Mickey right in. But then he still has to search through all these different rooms looking for, and he finds her and she's not looking good. She's and you know, I, I mean, I think most people probably were afraid that she had used, but she hadn't. She said she just came super, super close, but she didn't. But she's just really like bottomed out as close as you can bottom out without actually partaking. And he takes her home and she spends the night at his house. So he, I mean, I would, he, you know, rescues her or whatever. What term would you use? Gets her out of a bad situation, pulls her out. Yeah, to get her out of a bad situation or not making a bad situation worse by her staying around Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. in the environment with drugs and alcohol being present. They're becoming family. That's what's happening. Yeah, yeah, that's a very good point. And it definitely shows that too. They're really um, loyal. Because we've seen their relationship grow organically mm-hmm. in front of us for eight episodes. So yeah. we know where they were at the beginning and how it formed. And, mm-hmm. you know, we obviously see that they're, you know, they have a bond. Mm-hmm. Well, this and is the first time that she's really shown that she needs him. She's been there for him. Yes. In other yes she's always been rescuing him the whole season. Mm-hmm. And guarding him and, you know, keeping having his back and stuff so yeah it was a interesting turn of events so they uh i'm glad they have each other for sure so anything else before we choose our person of interest any other questions that you wanted to talk about or um... i had one question and then mm-hmm. um also i wanted to say what my second favorite oh yeah second camera, scene, angle yeah was. camera angle it was after uh, uh burn took the stand mm-hmm. and the camera kind of pans around the courtroom Okay. And then goes to burn on the stand. I thought that was a cool move. Mm-hmm. Nice shot. Good move. You know, so I was really happy with that. That pan around shot. I don't know how they get got that one done other than maybe wires, crane, something. But anyway, so I, I like that shot there. The question I had for you guys was, uh, I know in this episode, we've lost respect for a couple of different characters. And the one I kind of lost any regard for, uh, care for is Janelle. Maggie's mm-hmm. boss because mm-hmm. she was kind of like throwing you know uh giving her the t- the week time frame to to wrap up this big case right. and but it was also her uh flippant you know kind of like well people die it happens when you do your job mm-hmm. type of thing and I I just lost a lot of respect for Maggie's boss when she kind of just threw that yeah. in Maggie's face where it's like well Maggie's actually cares about the people that she involves into cases so mm-hmm. yeah no so do you I guys agree. feel the same way as i did that in that case yeah definitely and it's it's not just that she i mean yeah she was flipping about it and but she basically 
it felt like she was like, where did she get that deadline? It felt like she was just pulling out a deadline that was impossible, like purposefully mm-hmm. impossible. Now they're still, you know, Blankford's like, I have a way we can get the cell phone data and you know, we're still going to try to do it. But I think in her mind, she was like, it'll never happen in a week. I think she, you know, picked that time frame because she, wa- I think she wanted to drop the case. She didn't want anything messy, you know, on on her watch and just or mess up your uh, election possibilities right, the election. For, mm-hmm. yeah the election. so yeah no i agree anything from you pete i hate that lady <laughs> <laughs> awesome we're all on the same page we all hit her yay we're all the yeah, same there we go. she's scum no we don't like her bad more cisco less janelle everyone there you go perfect more, more cisco less <laughs> janelle i love it Okay, who wants to share their person of interest first? Who who do you want to highlight in the episode? Okay, I'll go. All right. Uh, This was almost impossible to pick someone because there were just, everybody was important in some way. There were just so many different stories. Like, which story do you focus on? So I went with the the trial story. So I picked Dr. Arslanian because she got to basically bring it home with her confirming that it had to be transferenced by identifying the two cars. Like she played right into Mickey's. I don't, I don't even know if they had any time to prepare for this, but she just played naturally right into his story unfolding. You know, she was even sort of animated about it. Like, Oh yeah, it would have to be, it couldn't be explained by anything else. And you know, he's asking her, what's the number of the car? One, one, two. And then she's like, and what about this car? One, one, two. Like she just, the way she told gave yeah. her answers she was animated she she just she played right into that big moment that big reveal of what the connection was so and i think that's part of that's part of mickey's skill set is getting people to, you know he, the way he talks the way you can get other people to answer questions to just that 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 edge that he has that flair for the dramatic and really making it come home how about you, Mike? I'll take the easy one. I mean, there's there's so many characters you could have picked. Lorna, Cisco, you know, Lorna yeah. for pushing Haller, saying you're Mickey effing Haller. You know, yeah. it's like, yeah. you got this. But I'm going to go with Mickey Haller because he finally discovered yeah. the magic bullet. Yeah, and true. when Lorna asked him if he slept in the office, it's like, he kind of goes, well, don't worry about that. I'm like thinking if he even slept at yeah, all. Yeah, he didn't sleep. That was yes, the wrong yeah. question. Exactly. He was still wearing the same suit that he had on the day before, <laughs> right. at least outfit-wise. But yeah, so I'm going to go with Mickey Haller. Being in the right place, right time, putting together the, you know, two and two equals four. And he cracked the magic bullet safe wide open. So Yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. Yeah, it's, 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 I had to try to think of someone other than Mickey. And it's, I mean, I, I picked him before. Um, at least one other time throughout the season but you know he could he could easily be you know that person each time but you're you're right this time he really nailed it I mean it just all came together so awesome all right are you ready for the game yes I'm ready (laughs) game time all right let me cue this up for you all right we've got Pete against Mike it's gonna you're gonna give clue I'm gonna give you each five words names five five answers i will put them in the chat individually to you and so you can't write see the, the chat you can't see the chat no i gotta find it <laughs> i'm gonna send you yours first Pete. oh there it is you're supposed to write them down <laughs> or at least keep them on the screen okay all right so i have sent privately to pete and then to mike each a list of five could be a person a place or a thing you know 
five answers. Now, we are going to go one at a time between the two of you. Pete, you're going to try to give clues to Mike to guess your first one. Then we'll go Mike, back and forth, back and forth. You get a point. Someone gets a point for a correct answer. Now, here's the, the kicker. To avoid Pete just not trying to answer so Mike won't get a point, you guys do not know who's going to get the point for the correct answer. You both are working to get a correct answer. And so you don't know who's going to get the point or not. So there's, I have it mapped out. So, so you want to help the other person. You want to help the other help person. You. Yeah. You want to give, but you don't know who's going to get the point. So there are five opportunities for Pete. There are five opportunities for Mike to get a point. And then if we, then we have a bonus round if we want or need to go to that. Now, one more restriction. When you're giving uh -oh. your clues, when you're giving your clues, you cannot use any names. Damn it. <laughs> oh, man. I literally <laughs> had like four <laughs> names. I was like, I'll get it. I just say these four names. Mike will guess it instantly. Yeah. I can't no. explain this without using the word. <laughs> no names from the show. No names. No fictional names. No actual names. No names. Um, so, for harder. example, for example, if the answer was Haley, you can't say Mickey's daughter. I mean, you, can't, you cannot use names. You that was to... my whole strategy, Tracy. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta throw it so all out many, the window. How many words can we? Is it just like one word, or do we? Can we say a couple words or a few words? You can say as many words as you want to give clues. You have thirty seconds. And you just can't use names. You can't use names in your clue. 30 seconds. And okay. So Pete, I'm going to set the timer. Are you ready? Yes. You're giving your clues for your first in the list. Mike. Now you can't use any names ever or just names in the show? Any names. You can't use Tracy, Mike, Mickey, no names. Okay. Okay. Got it. Go. All right. Not the defense lawyer, but. Prosecutor. Done. All right. Got it. All right, so that point is actually going to go to you, Pete. I knew it. All right, reset the timer. Mike, go. This person says overruled or sustained. The judge. Got it. That point goes to Mike. Great. <laughs> All right, back over to you, Pete. I'm going to reset. Go. What you said has no relevance. I have an issue or I disagree with what you say. I want to stop what you're saying. It's not important in the court. Oh, uh, ah, ah, hold on. Ah, uh, objection. Got there it. Go. Okay, Mike gets that point. Reset the timer. Mike, your turn. Go. Okay. Uh, 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 in response to what you just had me say, a judge will rule one way or the other on it. Um, not overruled. Sustained. What's your answer? It's when you, hold on, if a person objects. Okay, time's <laughs> up. But I don't, ah. know whether, I, I don't know whether to give this I'm not going to say who it's for yet because the answer was overruled, but Pete said it's not it overruled. So mm -hmm. it was not my final answer. It was not your final answer. And okay, that one was supposed to go to you, Pete. So nobody got great. For that. All right. All right, Pete, go. All right. The male cop we hate most in the show. Uh, Langford. There you go. What else does he have to say? Look at what I wrote. His ranking. Detective Langford. There you go. All right. That point goes to Mike. Let me see this so far. We got, oh, it's three to one. Mike. Yeah. Reset. Mike, go. He's on trial on this episode. Trevor Elliott. Got it. Okay. That one goes to Pete. <laughs> Yay. Awesome, Pete. All right. Pete, go. This guy's getting it on with half the females in LA. His, his, what is his title? What is his job? 
Uh, he likes everybody's wife. Oh, uh, uh, I know. Nah, dang it. Hold Not on. his name, his job. Oh, his job, a yoga instructor. Got it. Nick of time. That I was about to say, we're, we're on like 27, 28 <laughs> in my head. I'm doing the, the count in my head. I'm like, come on, Mike. You know this. That one goes to Pete. It's three to three. Funny All how right. that works. Mm-hmm. I'm uh, sure there'll be a bonus. Go. Um, there's a, uh, it's a membership required to be in this. Biker gang. Close. Switch <laughs> around the words a little bit. It's not a gang. It's a. Biker organization. Uh, uh, think, biker. Of like a bat. think of a bat and another word for bike members only a wooden uh, another word out. for a bike and a Time's bat up. oh dang it it was motorcycle club oh <laughs> biker gang motorcycle club i mean is there really a difference people i think we should vote no I'm that one that. that one would have gone to mike still tied three to three so my plan worked to give mike a very not answer on purpose <laughs> nobody gets points go (sighs) Hmm. after an hour turnaround in the car this stuff would still be all over the seat gsr gunshot residue got it okay that one goes to mike it's four to three all right ready set mike all righty uh if you want somebody to stay away from you you put a restraining order got it of course it's a tie (laughs) <laughs> All right, we, we, we've got we've got a bonus round, so it's four to four. And luckily for us, the last question in the bonus round is worth a zillion points. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was going to make each of them two points in the bonus round, but it doesn't really matter. You're tied, so okay, Mike. I'm going to send you your two more that you have to do. Um, okay, those are your two, and then Pete. Let me try to send it to the right person. You know, me and Mike are pretty good at this. We could probably go on a game show. <laughs> you probably could. We got those pretty quick. We got like nine of them. Yeah, you you did. You did pretty well. A lot of them were quick. Okay, those are your two. All right, I'm going to see who goes. Okay, Mike, what's the date of your birthday? The day, like I'm the 12th of January. Uh, 14th. And, oh my God. Pete, is your birth, was your birthday the 14th? The 13th. <laughs> okay, so you go first because your number's lower. All right. All right, so. Okay, Pete, go with your first one. Mike, I hope you know football. Um, the last name of the current quarterback starting for the New Orleans Saints. Uh, Winston. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Think or, about how you get it. <laughs> or Lorna's dog, <laughs> but you can't say well, names, so yeah. I, yeah, it was I, I hard. Was, I, I almost, I mean, I, I, I pay attention to football, but the Saints aren't on my radar, but I'm like, yeah. I was trying to figure out who played <laughs> oh, last year. Oh, would be a year. name in the sh- yeah, and I didn't chef. know if they drafted anybody or if they signed anybody new. So I just kind of went with the uh, Winston just thinking. <laughs> well, once you realize that that name matches the name in the show, you're like, I definitely got it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So that one, that one went to Mike. All right. It's five to four. Mike, you're up. Okay. So Mike, ready, set, go. Uh, you put it on top of an ice cream sundae. Whipped cream. Uh, on top of that. Cherry. Got it. Oh, it's the girl who we <laughs> yeah, met that, yeah. he, that put the hot, you should have said hot sauce all over breakfast the breakfast. To- it was breakfast. Yeah, the breakfast room that you should have said. All right. This one goes to that one went to Pete. So it's tied again. Five, five. Reset. And Pete, go. Next time you're in the area, you plan to visit this place you talked about earlier. Pan's restaurant. Well, no. Um, I guess I got it wrong. It's not a restaurant. I thought it was something else. Um not a restaurant, but uh uh business. 
where you would go to have a meal. Oh, restaurant, uh, uh, diner. Got it. That, that was, was 28.5. <laughs> In my head, I'm like, uh oh. Yeah, just to keep it dicey, I'm not going to tell you who got that point. I wrote okay. it down, but I'm not going to tell you. Okay. There's one more turn. Hold on. Give me a second. I just got to make sure I double check oh, my okay. second word here. Okay. Ready, set. Ready? Go. You sit on this or a uh, character sat on this when in a furniture store in this episode. Oh, 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 oh. Um, you think basic. He sat down on a sh- shirt. Uh, it's a furniture. You um, sit down on a ottoman. Uh, I have no clue. Couch. He's uh, sitting on the couch with his feet up. All right. Cisco was. All right. So that one. Okay. Sorry, uh, I tried, Pete. <laughs> it's all right. That one would have gone to Mike, but it didn't. So that means Pete. Pete wins. Again. All right, yeah. Pete. By Good one job. point. One it's a conspiracy, point. I swear. <laughs> Just the guy who won. Ah. <laughs> uh, that was good. That was good. Y'all did give good clues. So. That was good. Sometimes they're so easy that they're hard. You know what I'm saying? That's what I say. You really have to think of a way to get around it. And you're like, no names, no, like, nothing to do with the episodes. And I am like, oh, quarterback for the Saints. Like, totally going outside <laughs> the box here. Hey, whatever works. But um, you, the ones y'all got, you got fast. A couple you got in the nick of time, but most of them you got fast. But that one, like, we were already over 30 seconds. You would have gotten it. But, you know. All right. That was, that was fun. How'd you feel about that game? That was fun. Was it I fair? Was, fun. Yeah. was it fair? I mean, we really don't play these games to win anyway at the end of the day. I just <laughs> like having fun with it. It's something different. Yeah. It, it involves the show. It's like, you know, when I used to buy the crossword on the, the word searches based on my TV shows, like the office yeah. word search, and each episode was um a word search. And, you know, you just kind of go on. Well, that was fun. So, Mike, you've got a couple trivia questions, and I think Pete Yeah, does. but Pete wanted to go first with Yeah, his. I'm going to lob a softball, and then Mike's going to start throwing heat. So that's how this works, people. So, Tracy, here's your warm-up. That, yeah, that's for my benefit. Yeah. Um. So the salad that she left him that he threw away and did not eat, and, you know, what kind of salad was it? Uh, beet quinoa or quinoa beet. I'm not sure which order it was in. Quinoa salad with beets. Quinoa salad beets. All right. So it made it sound extra terrible when you added the beets at the end. <laughs> oh, yeah. I cannot <laughs> like, stand beets. I mean, like, like a quinoa salad to begin with, there's some beets. <laughs> quinoa had some potential, but you add the beets, no. Mm-mm. All right. Yeah. Thank you. That was, a, that, was a, that was a decent question. Now for the insanely hard ones. <laughs> Actually, not, not too insanely hard. I just, I, I was going to go insanely hard if Pete had an insanely hard one. Okay. Um, so I, I have a couple softballs here. Maybe I don't know. Um, because I was listening to the I was listening to the episode when I was driving between stores. Don't let my bosses I'm just kidding. Um, and I was I, I thought something dawned on me. I'm like, okay, how many times did Galantz and Haller have sidebars with the judge oh, in this episode? Because at yeah. one point the judge even says, at this point, I'm gonna I should start charging you guys rent. rent. Yeah, that was so funny. Um, I'm gonna say four. I'm gonna say three. You were both close five. Okay. Was I was like, five go sidebars. Okay. Five's so a lot for one episode. Yeah. Say what? Five yeah, is that's... a lot for one episode. That's, <laughs> that's why, why I was like curious. I'm like, because it's like sidebar, sidebar, sidebar. I kept hearing sidebar. I'm like, okay, next time I listen to this episode, I'm going <laughs> to count, count how many yeah. sidebars they had. <laughs> okay, um, let's close. see here. Uh, what was the name of the company that Sonia worked with Laura before she went off to start Parallax with Trevor Elliott? 
Chaos Games. Yep, correct. There you go, Tracy. You got it. Let's see here. And final one, and these might be future uh, posted on trivia for the Lawyer Lounge and oh, Ooh, sneak Twitter. peek. Yeah, sneak peek. Sneak peek trivia's uh, sneak peek trivia. Anyways, uh, which novelist was quoted? During one of those uh, orange, oh. golden. Oh, he says, "Is this like George Wells or Orson Wells oh. or Olvo Redenbacher?" That's <laughs> 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 somebody good. Well, you gave me hit with a George Orwell. It was like George something. Yeah. Yep, it George Orwell. Okay, I wouldn't. I wouldn't have remembered Pete if you hadn't. I just remember it. because I remember Mickey saying, "Oh, is that George Orwell?" And she's like, "No, my grandma, my, grandma. Or my mom." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, no, then, my grandma. Oh, wait, yeah, she probably probably was George Orwell. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So that's a good one. Yeah, good job, guys. All right. Keep Great in mind, job. I don't read, so that's very impressive. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to read; you just got to listen too. And yeah. that's what. You, yeah, it, it, you listen and work. Pay attention. Pay attention. That's right. That was a decent showing. All right, I like it. There's we hope. both got one of Mike's trivia questions right. Yes. How about that? Yes. Well, I didn't go too difficult for you. Guys. He, he started with I'm gonna lob a softball one yeah. over. So wow. you know. awesome. Good stuff. All right. Well, I think that's it for our discussion yeah. of episode eight, but stay tuned for some QA with Ted Humphrey, the showrunner, and then stay tuned after that for our interview with Pooja Mahindra, who played Sonia Patel in that first courtroom scene in episode eight. We'll hear from her. It was a fun night. I enjoyed talking with you guys. It was great. Always enjoyable always. talking. <laughs> All right. I think we're out and we'll be back for more. See ya. Bye everybody. Later. Hey there. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you. Thanks for coming on for this. Now, a little bit of things that were happening in episode eight when Mickey brings in the witness late in the game, the, the guy that works at the refurbishing, cleaning the cars, getting them to go back out into right, rotation. Right, right. What what are the rules there with bringing in someone late in the game? Like you, you have learned new information that can help your case, but, you know, they're obviously not on the witness list. What are the some of the defining factors there? It's really up to the judge. And, okay. you know, judges have broad leeway in the interests of justice or whatever other phrase they would use to allow. And, and, you know, it is a bit of a, it is a bit of a trope of movie and TVs that like, mm -hmm. you know, this witness isn't on our witness list, that kind of thing. Right, right, right. Because it's part of the, you know, but it really does happen in, in real trials yeah. all the time um, because uh -huh. it, it is the case that you don't discover things until later. And, you know, in real life, what would probably happen is the trial would halt for the day and the prosecutor would be given a chance to interview the witness beforehand and, you know, or, or study what it is you're doing, right? Like that, like that's probably what would really happen. You, you'd halt trial and come back the next day after the prosecutors had a chance to do it. Okay. And so that way they're not just being completely caught off guard, but you know, those are, mm -hmm. those are the things that you, those are the, the, the ways that you make the show interesting, you know? Sure. The, yeah. 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 The liberties you take to make a show. Yeah. Yeah. And, and what about in regard to evidence that hasn't been in discovery? I mean, you can obviously find new evidence. What are some of the rules around that? It's, it's the same thing. It's, it's okay. very much up to the judge. And, you know, I think in criminal, in civil cases, it's different because, you know, both parties are sort of equal in criminal cases. The court will, I think, generally err on the side of the defendant when it comes to that, right? In other words, the state is 
state has resources and the state, of course, criminal, some criminal defendants, especially a rich guy like Trevor Elliott also has resources, but the state is this powerful monolith, right? And they've got law enforcement and everything else on their side to, to bring this to bear. And so, you know, it is the old, like better a thousand guilty men go free than one innocent man be in prison thing. You know, I do think courts yeah. err on the side of okay. if late in the game, a defendant really has some game breaking evidence they're not going to not allow it just because it's not on the witness list. That would, that would seem to be patently unfair. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. That helps. Now, what about the third party culpability defense? Yes. That, so do you have, if you're going to take that approach, are you really su- supposed to enter that, start with that? I mean, like, cause there was a complaint that he, that Mickey had not gone this route, you know, that he was introducing it as a new defense. What, what exactly are the rules there? Well, I wish I had one of my writers who's closer to the practice of criminal law at the moment than I am on to help with this. But, you know, it is something that you're supposed to get the judge to rule on in advance because they won't okay. allow it. They don't, they don't typically allow it if it's just a complete fishing expedition with no basis mm-hmm. in reality, right? Because anybody okay. can say the mailman did it. If there's no right. okay. evidence for that, then that, that's you're besmirching somebody's name or just, you know, kicking up dust, right? Sure. So it's so, not as much yeah. a matter of when as if you're going to do that. Is that right? You mean in any trial? Well, just that it, he wasn't, using that type of defense in the beginning. Correct. Uh, you know, he hadn't introduced it. He was always looking for it. <laughs> right, right. So, yeah. so in, the, in the, you know, the eyes of the prosecutor, he's like kind of changing his defense. So yeah, that was yes. kind of like, is it yes. also a but you're, but you're allowed to do, I mean, you, you, you can have 10 different defenses. Yeah. <laughs> you're yeah. allowed to do that, right? It's okay. you're not held to one theory of the case. Okay. What you're held to is what can I convince the jury of? If you have 10 sure. different defenses, the jury might go, well, you're just throwing stuff against the wall, right? Like it's, it, it yeah. helps to tell the jury a story that is at least somewhat consistent from beginning to end. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. okay. But with a third party culpability thing, you, you do, it has, you have to go through the judge first. Yeah. And, you have to, and there has to be some basis for it. And the judge, basis, you know, the judge yeah. can disallow it if there doesn't seem to be a basis for it. You know? Okay. Okay. So there is some reality to Mickey's trying to backdoor this in without every had an evidentiary hearing on and then allowing the prosecutor a chance to pick its pieces and so on. Yeah. Right. Okay. Okay. This I'm just curious about. I'll probably talk with Manuel about it, but just thinking about different characteristics of Mickey, his charm, mm-hmm. his cleverness. I don't know what you call that ability to see things that maybe other people aren't picking up, like loopholes. I don't know. His quite super, what that's, that's his superpower. Okay. His superpower. <laughs> well, that might answer the question. Because I was kind of like, which one of those in your mind with, with the character you all have written, um, it would you say is the most powerful? So I'm guessing it's going to be the superpower since it's, if we're going to call it that, but. Well, no, I don't, it actually isn't. I mean, it, you know, because <laughs> superpower, I mean, it's superpower. I say that kind of jokingly because it's like, right, right. you go into a pitch now, people say, what's their superpower? It's like, yeah, okay. Yeah. Cop, what, what do you mean? <laughs> yes, have a superpower. Yeah. You know, I, I don't know that anyone is more important. Like. The charm, the cleverness, the intelligence. Mickey also, and he's he he does this in the books, and we do it in the show. He outworks everybody. He's a grinder. Mm-hmm, that's he true. Works hard. Not afraid of hard work. And so it's the combination of all of those things: the thinking, the the intelligence, the hard work, the ability to use charm when necessary. And then it's you know what is that? It's like genius is ninety nine percent perspiration, one percent inspiration, right? If you mm-hmm. put in hard work, then that. Little TV right. moment comes and we actually have that do 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 music that happens sometimes when it gets <laughs> Interesting. Okay. 
And heart, I think heart is. Yeah, that's a good one too. Yeah. So there's superpower, right? Yeah. He, he, the character pretends to be very cynical, but he's really not. Mm-mm. He, he really underneath it all, he has a very strong sense of kind of morality. And it's not traditional morality. Like he doesn't care if he's helping a murderer get away with committing murder. That's his job, right? But the morality right. is like seeing the underdog get their day and not seeing people take advantage of things. And, sure, yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think you all have, made him very believable as as you know we talked you mentioned superpowers and as as capable as he is he still seems like approachable you know yeah. and like a real person you know he, he doesn't seem like this that was, superhero that was, that was very much the goal and i mean you know so a lot of that has been well manuel's just approachable right he's yeah he's, okay uh, <laughs> he's a very um likable and genuine person so yeah. awesome awesome well it just plays plays really well I, I like that a lot that's one of my favorite aspects thank you everyone we have Pooja Mahendra here with us to talk about her role of Sonia Patel in the Lincoln Lawyer series and hopefully lots of other stuff to learn about her as well Hi. Hi, how are you? I'm good, thank you. Thanks for coming on. So I think I'll just jump right in, Pooja. I always am curious about people's audition experience for a role, because it seems like sometimes folks say they get sides that aren't even actually in the show, or maybe it's for a different role, or maybe named a different role. Did How much did you know about who you were auditioning for, and is that the role you got? <laughs> yeah, that's such a great question. What happened for me is I just got it, I think maybe 12 hours before it was due is my memory of it. I just remember getting on a Thursday night, it was due the next day at three or something. I'm just so grateful it all came together. Yeah, yeah. So did you, was it listed as Sonia Patel that you were auditioning for? Yes, a hip adjacent software engineer. <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah. So okay. I brought my uh, interpretation of that. And yeah, I, I love that somebody might consider me hip adjacent. <laughs> I'll I take think it. I'm a little bit of a nerd, but yeah, I'll totally take that. That's a, that's another, that's another name for it. Yeah. Hip adjacent. We'll go yeah. with that. Yeah. Reframing. Oh, that's right. Reframing. So how much did you know ahead of time about it's kind of hard, it's kind of hard to ask. So we saw you in a couple of scenes and you're talking about Laura and Sonia's relationship with her and working together and Sonia's thoughts on Trevor, but your character's not present when towards the end of the season, Mickey starts putting all the pieces together and thinking that, oh, Laura was going to tell you that, you know, that she wanted chaos games to have, you know, and her to have credit for this code and you know that she was going to leave him and so forth so it's, it's kind of a in a way a bigger than it seems like Sonia even knew so I guess my question is did you know how that was gonna play out or how Mickey was going to put the pieces together when you before you played your scenes you're asking did I know how it was going to play out my relationship to chaos games in re- relation to Trevor yeah. Did you, did you know that Mickey was going to put the pieces together and think that, oh, Laura wanted to meet with her friend Sonia because she was going to put it out there and, and go ahead and finally take credit for doing the code herself. So, cause we hear from Sonia that she, you know, 
that she wanted to go to lunch that, you know, Sonia thought it could be maybe they wanted her for a job at Parallax, or maybe she just wanted to meet up. It had been a while. So it, it, it just, we got like almost like a bigger bomb dropped when Mickey puts the pieces together at the end thinking, oh, she was going to Sonia as her way to say, hey, I'm going to go ahead and get credit for doing this code all along. It was not Trevor who wrote that special code. You were not privy to that. They didn't say, oh, your relationship with this other character is means this. No, 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 no. Okay. Yeah, so, I, I fortunately, when we got there, there were some certain, there was one little thing. I got there thinking that maybe there was a little romantic or thing going on with Trevor and her and Sonia. Okay, yeah, yeah, okay, okay. Emailing him all the time. Mm-hmm. And there's a line that, that I wish I could remember what the exact line, but the, and I went and I interpreted a little bit that there was some kind of maybe interest in him or infatuation yes, or something. Yes, yes, yes. yes. or or okay. that she felt rejected by. I interpreted it. Yeah, oh, I see. Romantically, I see. or even just like and 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 fortunately, the director Alonzo said no. Uh, no, that's not the intention. So okay. we cleared that up, and okay. yeah, so. Yeah, because I could see how that could play out a little bit like, you know, someone scorned or something, you know. Yeah, no, that's yes, interesting. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. scorned. I, I did at first think maybe there's a little scorn there, but uh-huh. okay. that's not how they interpreted the material. So, yeah. Okay, okay. Well, which was your favorite, you think, doing the scene outside with Mickey or in the courtroom? I loved working on all of it. It was so <laughs> fun. I am so amazed and inspired by how quickly they all work to do such excellent work especially when you see the whole series they did an amazing job and uh it's also thoughtful and the acting is phenomenal everyone is so good and they work so quickly everything was so quick so it's it was one of the most efficient sets I've ever been on okay (laughs) so fast so I really think that I, I think I enjoyed being in the courtroom. Okay. The courtroom was fun because there were so many other actors to play with. And yeah. I thought it was, I found it really fun to just go toe to toe with Mickey. Yeah. I didn't expect in me to, I surprised myself by, you know, my uh, spiritual mentor, uh, Dada Vaswani was his name. He's no longer with us. But he once said to me, be a lioness. Okay. As to, meaning be a strong woman. Yeah. And that I felt a lioness came out of me in the sense of I was surprised by my own strength. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that comes through, but I, the way I talk in that scene is yeah. not me. Right, right, right. <laughs> I, I am such a people pleaser. I have people pleasing tendencies and I tend to just be, um, you know, I love to laugh. I, I try to avoid confrontation. I don't know if I, Pooja, could stand up to someone like Mickey. You know, when right. we shot the outdoor scene, I didn't talk to Manuel at all. <laughs> I didn't talk to him. And then we did the scene and that was yeah. it. Yeah. I actually thought it worked out better for the, for the scene to not talk to him because okay. she doesn't know him when he approaches her. So right. I didn't do any of the actor chit chat that sometimes you do before you do a scene. Mm-hmm. But, so that to be the complete opposite of the girl that shot the first scene and didn't even talk to him and then show up and just completely kind of, I felt I was standing up to him again yes. and again. 
that surprised me. And I, I'm happy that I discovered this empowered, strong yeah. woman inside myself. I know that that's in me. I just don't know if I always show up that way. So right. tough almost, and even yeah. a little bit abrasive. Yeah. Yeah. I, de- I definitely noticed a difference and, and in the courtroom that she was standing up for herself and like, no, you're not going to, you know, pigeonhole me into someone who's begging for a job that's called networking, you know, was, was one of the lines. And it was like strength coming from her defending herself. Yeah. I thought that was pretty cool. And it was definitely yeah. more assertive than the meet, the first meeting they had outside where she just really didn't want to have anything to do with it. So I think that definitely came through. Yeah. And I think that, I think it's very fascinating that this, this came into my experience, this show and the, these scenes in particular, because I have a lot of um, commitment to empowering women and, Mm -hmm. um, and also, and people, but uh, abusive relationships have always been a, a, a thing for me. Mm-hmm. I used to work at a domestic violence shelter uh, called okay. Nagar in Chicago. And um, I had a solo show where themes of this came up. So this really, for me, inspired some of those scenes because I think Sonia perceived it this way, that that was their relationship. Right. And um, so that was something where I felt colored a lot of how I interpreted it. Yeah. Interpreted it. That makes sense. Yeah. Cause it definitely, you sense that she felt like Trevor took advantage of Laura and took, took advantage of other people. And, yes. Um, and was violent in some way. Yeah. Yeah. And shut people out. I mean, that's very psychologically abusive. You know, the way she talked about how he pushed her friends away and so forth. So yeah, it was interesting that you could, could draw from that in that way. I always liked, I, we saw you a couple of different times in a couple of different outfits as Sonia, but I always wonder what people think about the wardrobe that's chosen for them in their roles. Did you, did you, did this feel like Sonia to you? (laughs) So I love this question because I love clothes and I love fashion and I love costumes. So I love this question. And so what did I think of the wardrobe? I, you know what? I never wear beige ever, ever, ever. And in the courtroom I'm wearing, seeing I'm wearing beige. Sure. So it just felt like this is a different person. I wear very bright colors. I just tend to very wear very bright colors. So her style was definitely more, how could you say, more just different, different, more business casually. Okay, okay. Just not as vibrant. Not as vibrant. Yeah, very like I, beige and gray to me are colors. I don't even have those colors in my wardrobe. Okay, so yeah. The fun of being an actor, I get to step into something. Yeah that is transformative. So I felt that they did an awesome job with that. And for me, it was something different that I would say is not my general normal colors. Yeah. Yeah. But you enjoyed it. Okay. Okay. It definitely looked good. Have you worked, have you done a role before that was involved in a courtroom scene? No, no. That was first time. Okay. Oh, mm-mm. yeah. It was the first time when I first started acting, I was in a courtroom scene on all my children, but I didn't, uh-huh. I wasn't on the stand or anything yeah, like that. Yeah. Okay. And, okay. But yeah. So it was the first time. And I, I was surprised by it being a very out of body experience for me, because mm-hmm. again, if someone had told me you were going to be up on the stand, I mean, I knew that when I auditioned, but right. I hadn't visualized it in my mind that you're I'm going to be up on the stand and the whole entire room is going to be focusing on, on you 
thing. And I think that's where my theater background just really kicked in because I don't remember most of that day. And I don't remember really being on the stand, but when I act, I do feel like it is a little bit of an out of body experience for me. So when I watched it, I was like, this is what happened because I didn't remember it. I just felt lost in the character. Yeah. You were like so immersed that you could, yeah, you had to go back and see it, I guess. Yeah, I did. I did. Because normally, I don't know if I would feel even now talking to you, I I (laughs) feel like I'm not normally someone that like gets up and, you know, has all these eyes on me except when I'm acting. So I think that, you know, if I were doing that in real life, I would be so nervous to be on a stand like that. But as an actor, I didn't feel that. I just felt lost in the character. And and I really, really enjoyed the jury. I thought they did an amazing job. Mm They were such good listeners and they were really a lot to feed off of. I really enjoyed that. It's something that I didn't expect. And when you watch it, I notice like everybody's little expressions, it really contributes to the scene. It does. I really felt that. Yeah, it was responsive. And when you get that response between, yeah, it definitely definitely makes it more organic for sure and more believable definitely so i i see that you have done definitely done more than acting you've done some writing and directing what do you want to tell us about that yeah i love telling stories so for me it's like every element of it whether it's acting writing creating producing, directing is an expression of that. So what I'd like to share is just that if anyone wants to see any of my writing or creating, I have a web series called Gita's Guide to Moving On. It's 12 episodes and it's on OTV. Okay. About an Indian American girl that uh, goes through a massive breakup and moves in with her Indian parents and learns to move on with the help of her family and best friend. And it's a comedy. (laughs) Yeah. And, and I'm now working on my first feature film. I'm, I wrote it, I'm producing it and I'm directing and we have an amazing team. Uh, Neil Lando, the co is my co-EP. He did Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Debt. Oh, I love that. (laughs) Yeah, I love it too. (laughs) Yeah. And he has been a mentor to me. I feel so honored to collaborate with him. It's been an amazing experience. And so we're, we're in development and getting ready to move into pre-production. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Great. Great. And how, from pre-production with something like that, how long does it usually before we would see something? I hope to shoot this next summer. Okay. Okay. I would love to be able to submit it to Sundance or a major film festival and have it be able to have people see it in 2024, I guess would be the timeline if we shoot in 2023. Okay. Okay. And are you acting in it as well? I don't know that yet. We haven't. Yeah. There's a role in there that I could do, but it's, I really feel that I want whatever's in service to the highest good of the project. So I don't feel that I have to act in it. I feel like however it comes together, it'll come together as it's meant to. And I want it to be unfolding for the highest good of everyone involved. So right now we don't know. (laughs) I don't know. Okay. Okay. Too early. I'm directing it too. So I want to be thoughtful about that. I want to be thoughtful, like to, with the web series, I did act right. And, Mm -hmm. uh, produce and direct. So I have directed myself before. Yeah. yeah. Um, I feel comfortable with that, but let's see how it comes together. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And with the Geeta's guide, you said it was 12 episodes. 
was it a series that was resolved or could we possibly see any more? Did it, did it complete? Yes. Well, it is a full series. We did 12 episodes, one full season. I would okay. say it came to a conclusive story okay. in terms of story. And then I feel like what has happened is it evolved into a new project, um, kind of the, I would say the next chapter you could say. Mm-hmm. And that's called uh, Welcome to Shakti, which is a TV pilot that I wrote. And okay. Welcome to Shakti was on this list called We For She that is an organization dedicated to amplifying female narratives. Okay. And so it was one of the best 20 unproduced TV pilots that's female driven. So I really am excited to find a home for this. It's, it's something that's in development as well. Oh, neat. That's a lot of yeah. exciting stuff. Now I'm sure it's impossible to pick one, but do you, could you pick a favorite between writing, directing, and acting? I love acting. Yeah. I really love acting. I it's really hard to pick. I love all of them so much. I think what I love the most about writing is that it gets me it's such a deep meditation for me okay. and it allows me to process a lot of things in life mm-hmm. in a way that feels really safe and really it gives me the opportunity to transmute so things in life because sometimes you just get lemons and you want to make lemonade and writing helps me writing and comedy helps me turn lemons into lemonade and turn kind of darkness into light so I really love that part of writing Mm -hmm. so I I don't think I can choose a favorite I love all of it and you know what I love being in the audience too I like I'm totally fine being in the audience and enjoying other people's work as well. Philip Seymour Hoffman, once I read that he said that and it resonated with me so much. So I think the whole storytelling experience for me is fun. And as long as I'm connected to stories, I'm happy. Cool. Cool. Yeah. That sounds very good. I love storytelling too, in many different forms. So it's so great that we got to connect with you through the Lincoln Lawyer but it sounds like you've got a lot of other stuff we can follow as well. Yeah, so yes, exciting. yeah. absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I, and I share a ton of it on Instagram um, okay. where I kind of share about what's going on. And I love helping other writer creators grow as well. I have, I teach acting and I teach writing and creating, and I really love just nurturing other voices. So mm-hmm. that's something that if there's any people that are listening that are interested in that, yeah, I've had so many people help me and I feel like, giving back is a priority to me. So that's another part of my journey. That's awesome. So where can people find you on Instagram? Uh, my handle is at Pooja Mohindra. Okay. Easy enough. J-A- Your name. <laughs> yes, my name. Very simple. Okay, great. All right. Well, thank you so much for spending some time with me. I really appreciate it. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Alrighty. Thank you so much. Take care, Pooja. It was really nice to meet you. You too. Bye. See you soon, Tracy. Bye. Take care.